Welcome. Welcome to Beyond the Veil, a restored gospel podcast. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. And we are here recording our very first podcast together. Um, and we've entitled it Beyond the Veil, as I already mentioned. And I wanted to, uh, we thought maybe just this first time together, we could just uh, kind of just chat on that for a bit and talk about what that means to each one of us and why we chose that as a title. So, Corey, tell them about yesterday and what happened. Well, yesterday, Mike was texting me and I was scripture searching at the time and he includes this word veil, V-E-I-L, in his text. And it was interesting because at the time in the context of what he was texting, um, it, it had something to do with exactly what I was searching for on the scripture search, but I was typing in the word veil, V-E-I-L, as he sent it to me. And I thought that was just kind of more than a coincidence but uh, in the context of the scriptures I was looking up, I was reading about uh, a story in the Book of Mormon. And this story is how the brother of Jared was conversing with God and he had a dilemma. And this dilemma was they didn't know how they were going to cross the ocean in boats because they were dark. And as this conversation literally with God continues, the scripture states the veil was taken from the eyes of the brother of Jared and he sees the finger of God. You know, God's uh, got flesh and blood and this is this revelation to Jared. Well, bro- Jared's brother. Well, there's a lot to that. In, in, in our life, I think we realize that there's a veil between us and God that we don't see him. And so he became like us. He, he explains to the brother of Jared, hey, do you see I have flesh and blood? This is going to be the body of my spirit. You're seeing this in vision now, but you're going to see how I will be on the earth like you someday. And his work has always been to remove the veil, the, remove the veil of separation. But because of our sin, we couldn't be where God is. It wouldn't allow us, the laws of eternity couldn't allow our sinfulness to be in the same place with God. So God comes to us. And so he he removed the veil. And another time, and as we've talked recently, when Jesus dies on the cross, this temple in Jerusalem had a veil that separated a place called the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. That Holy of Holies was where the final offering of the blood of the animal atoning for the nation's sins was offered in this mercy seat. And it was in the room of the Holy of Holies. The veil separated people from that heavenly, symbolically heavenly place. When Jesus died on the cross, the scriptures state that the veil was rent. It was torn, symbolizing that now through Jesus' death, we were no longer separated from God. He he opened the door. He set, he he tore open this barrier from humanity to heaven or from humans to where God is by Jesus paying the price of our sin. Otherwise, we would have been eternally separated from him because of our sin. So so this veil it's a it's a powerful symbol. It's a the veil of our mind of of you know not recognizing God or Jesus when he walked among us but also the, the veil that separates all of creation from the eternal realm. God wants to do away with that veil, and he had to do it through the atonement and sacrifice of Jesus. One of the um, early, early, early on, at the very beginning of the story that we have, recorded story, Adam and Eve, right, walked in the garden with God, and... Um, Sounds like he was right there with them until they 
chose to disobey him and then they were removed from his presence and that's that was a, a time when no longer could you uh you know could you be so intimate with god but uh, something had happened something had happened that separated them and it seems like since that time we've all been fighting to uh to get back and to see him and you know what uh i've got a couple friends right now that are just really in some dark places and and I've been thinking on this concept of the veil and how it, it covers our eyes and covers our hearts and our minds. They are struggling to figure out where is God. And that gets yeah. really, really real. That's redundant, but it gets really real when when you when you've been through tragedy and when you're calling out to God on your knees and he seemingly doesn't answer or doesn't give you the answer or you're not able to hear that answer. That really shakes your faith because, as most of my friends are also ministers in the gospel, it's like, how do you sell something to somebody? Not that we sell the gospel, but how do you present something to somebody when in your mind you wonder, does this really work? In, mm-hmm. in, the, in my mm-hmm. heart, you know, in my darkest of days, is this real? Does this work? Is God, you know, available to me? And I believe there's answers to those questions, and, and I, I maybe I could talk about that in a minute. But I don't. Um. You know, on that, Mike, I was just thinking about this just this weekend because in in our lives, we we find that you know we want to always promote our strength, and yet God tells us, you know, no no one ever wants to be weak. No one ever wants to admit uh, any weakness, uh, physically, emotionally, uh, our, our knowledge. You know. We, we, we never want to admit weakness, but yet God says something specifically in the scripture about if you come to me, I will show you your weakness. And that's it. That occurred to me the other day as I was considering the same things you're describing with friends. You know, we've all got our own things that, you know, it seems like God is nearby in some areas of life. And other times you, you wonder if he's even hearing your prayer. And it, and it occurred to me the other day, I thought, perhaps these things that seem ongoing or, or seem to really test our endurance of faith, maybe these are the things where he's intentionally allowing them to seem like um, larger problems or, or more difficult circumstances, maybe because he wants us to recognize this is your weakness. And, and maybe it's, you know, maybe your problem's been a, a financial and maybe it's uh, or maybe it's emotional, or maybe there's relationships, but maybe God's allowing any and all of these things to to penetrate us in a way where we finally come to say, "Hey, Lord, I realize now this this is my weakness, and I have no power over this." And, and what God promises is, we don't always have a timetable, but He says, "I will make weak things become strong unto you," and in that weakness, the the Lord is glorified somehow through us. If we were, if we were strength in every aspect of our lives, what need would we have of, of a savior? You know, and it's like that's the issue. Is that I, I'm just considering my own life that perhaps these areas that hurt so deeply that that last so long, and that that other problems in life kind of come and go, but certain things linger. Maybe those are specifically designed in God's magnificent plan so that we'll see our weakness and so that we'll somehow rely on him. That's, I had uh, about a three hour, three or four hour conversation with one of my closest friends this week. And as we sat there talking, 
And, you know, he kind of, again, we went over a subject that we've discussed many times. He was betrayed in a way that I just, uh, I can't even imagine in my own life. And so to talk about his hurt and his calling out to God and asking, you know, where in the world, you know, where is the Lord? And why, why, isn't, why aren't I finding answers? Why aren't I finding a reprieve from this pain? Um, as I was trying to help him, just talk to him, try to help him feel better, <laughs> do what you can as a friend, I was thinking about this after our time together. And Corey, I swear this, this is one of those things that has just stayed with me because as I was talking to him, I was thinking, man, if I was in his position, I, I don't know that I could be, you know, I, I couldn't be this brave as he's been. And so I started thinking, I don't even really want to try to help him or give him advice. Cause I know that, you know, that would turn around and come back to haunt me if I ever hmm. went through something like that. Right, right. But you know what? That was bad because the thought was so strong and I believe it came from the spirit. It was that we try to walk through this life so many times as an Island and take everything upon ourselves. And when a brother is down, when a brother is struggling or a sister and we are not, and we're in a place of strength, we are called to serve them and to give them strength and to help them and to speak the word in truth, you know, uh, and in, and in wisdom to them so that they hear. And we, and, and, we brought up testimonies that we had shared together in the past. And he's like, yeah, even as I talk about this, I know those were true. You know, I know that was true. And if in some time in the future I'm struggling and I'm as down and, and I'm hurting, I need a brother to then come to me. And so I don't want, you know, it's not to feel guilty about, you know, or trying to feel mightier or better than your brother by helping them. But instead, the Lord has given you strength in that moment to do it. And there'll be a time when you're going to need it too. But each one of us needs that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what, what if we haven't ordered our life in a way that the only fellowship we have is on Sunday morning? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important in our talks with each other and throughout the week that there are moments and many moments where you are in constant contact and fellowship with the saints because Sunday morning and Sunday evening doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're if right. your life's not ordered that way, and if you're not reaching out, and if you're not surrounded by the body of Christ in that way, where you're helping each other in, in, a, in a type of community, then then you do go the, through those things alone. So I just I think that's so important for us um, to remember and to to make a priority in our life. Sure, you know, one of the things that has turned around in my thinking, and and I want to put it in into my practice is when I'm seeing these problems, some of these ones that can sometimes be lifelong, I'm wondering, does God want us to acknowledge to him and say, Lord, I believe you're showing me my weakness, you know, this thing that brings so much pain. Um, We have the assurance that for whatever pain we endure in this world, that at the end of this life for all of mankind, the pains of this life go away if we stand on God's right hand. You know, he, he says, I'm going to wipe the tears from your eyes. That's yes. in Revelation. Yeah. You know, so so the pain we're enduring for now won't be lifelong, but it can be our for our life here. And is it is it just God's nature to allow certain pain and suffering? Because sometimes that's the only thing that brings us to the point where we'll constantly be seeking him 
or, or we're constantly on our knees. You know, I found too often in my own life, I'm no different than the Nephites who, as soon as God blessed them, you know, they forgot God and they, they went off and did their own thing. And and sometimes it's the very nature of my, my pain and suffering is the thing that keeps me close to him, that keeps me from wandering because I find that I, whether I like to admit it or not, too often bring those pains up to him mm-hmm. in prayer, but maybe it keeps me close. And, and some people... You know, we can't say why some people endure certain things and some people endure so many more than others. Um, you know, life doesn't seem fair in that regard. But, you know, the book of Job is interesting because this single man experienced in one day the loss of his family, the loss of his wealth, the, the loss of his health, the, the loss of his just simply well-being and hope for his future. Everything was was gone in one day. And yet in this story, as the news comes that his children have been killed and his cattle have been killed and his fortunes are gone, uh, and Job is left eventually literally covered with sores and, and his friends don't even recognize him, the thing that he never loses is his integrity towards God. In that through the suffering that he experienced, None of us have probably experienced everything that he experienced all in one day. But yet I believe the story is there to demonstrate that we might and most likely will experience a piece of some of his suffering in the same way at some point or many times in our life. Um, loss of loved ones or betrayal by, by family or sudden you know, pain or injury, uh, a change of life direction that you weren't anticipating. And all these things, just as with Job, can cause you to wonder, where was God in all that? You know, what did, why, what did I do to deserve this? And God, why do you hate me so much? And, you know, the interesting thing about the beginning of Job's story is that whether or not it was real or it was just a literary device used to set the tone for the story, there's this conversation uh, with God and Satan about Job. And, and, and Satan's accusation is that, well, Job only has a good life because you've paved the way for him, God. And, and then, you know, if he didn't have all your protection, he, he wouldn't be the person he is of this integrity. And so God allows this test to occur, which are all things of Satan's doing. You know, the broken relationships in our life are things of Satan's doing. You know, those don't come from God. The, the pain when others injure us spiritually, emotionally, those are Satan's doings. Those aren't of God. But God told us not that he wants us to experience these things, but all these things are of a fallen world because of the fact that it's the consequence that man fell away from God. You know, there he was trying to save us from this type of life being or becoming our eternity, our eternal home. He wants to be in a life that's pain-free, but he's saying, no, this gets a million times worse if you don't come to me. So so these types mm. of things that we experience now are the consequence of the fact that man fell away. It's not things at all he's doing to us. He's saying, no, this is the reality of, of life. But also in part of Job's story, it describes the character of Job. You know, th- this man not only paid his tithing, for instance, it-, it implies, the story implies that he also paid his children's tithing too, just in case they were forgetting. He didn't want anyone to be out of favor with God. So this man goes the extra mile. You know, you might know 
wealthy people, and Job was extremely wealthy by his the standards of his day. But you probably don't know anyone like Job who who loved so deeply and cared so much that he he wanted in no possible way for his own children or family to fall out of favor with God. So he he bent over backwards to use the term to make sure things were good. This was a man of character. This was a man of uh, you know a quality spirit who deserved none of the things that came his way. And that's really the point of the story is that he didn't do anything to deserve all the bad things that happened. The, the bad things that happened to him were, I believe, the consequence of the evil of the world. And that's another type of veil, the, the veil of darkness, that Satan laughs at God. is recorded in the story of Enoch that Satan looked up and laughed because a veil of darkness covered the earth. And this veil of darkness was Satan's doing, so we couldn't see the light of God. You know, it wasn't protecting or it wasn't preventing God from seeing the world. It wasn't a veil keeping his view limited. It was keeping our view limited of him. And so this this kingdom of this world has this evil influence of a veil of darkness. And these things that we think are God's doing no, they're all orchestrated by Satan. And in a symbolic sense, that's what happened in Job's life. We're seeing the consequence of sin that we live in this world, but the result of these evil things are the things that are the consequence of Satan's doing and not God. God wants to save us from these things. He doesn't want us to suffer, but we realize that the journey may be lifelong of suffering until we come and, and meet him again. Some sometimes um, there may not be, a, you know, as Job, you know, there may not be anything. You know, you may be suffering, but you didn't do, not because of what you did. Sometimes we suffer. A lot of most of the time, we suffer because of what we've done and because we've walked away from the Lord. Sometimes you've given it all and you're still suffering. And Jesus, of course, suffered and was killed, and he didn't have a sin upon him. And so. For my friends, for those that are in dark places, uh, trying to find out where God is at, trying to see beyond the veil, is is just such a struggle. And um, that's why I think, and I hope that you know stuff like this. And you know, I spend a lot of time listening to podcasts, listening to different uh, religious ones, and, and there's there's different things out there that we can order our life around that helps bring us into fellowship and maybe helps our mind a little bit and. Anyway, that's uh, when I was so some thoughts going through my mind when I actually texted texted you about that was I've thought a lot about this veil and throughout my life, I guess maybe this is true for everyone. Maybe I just think about it more. I have a very hard time um, realizing that the here and now is not uh, is not reality, but that there's a spiritual reality beyond that and that things that go on here affect that spiritual reality, affect my eternity, and yet I'm just thick-headed. I'm just stubborn, maybe. Maybe my heart is hard, but uh, I started working. When I went into healthcare to become a nurse uh, you know, a while ago, one of the very foremost thoughts in my mind was, if I can be around people who are hurting and sick and you know, possibly dying or whatever, maybe it'll help this life seem more temporary to me, and I can dial in more to the eternal. And I really thought that would help. Mm -hmm. And yet after 
10 years in the emergency room, the only thing that it, <laughs> that hadn't necessarily been the case, but more my heart had just gotten hard seeing the degradation of humanity, you know, so many times. Um, but then I thought, well, maybe if I go into hospice, that would be an area where I'm actually working with people who are dying. Maybe that would help me stay centered so that I could then help other people and just focus on the eternal more. And I remember uh, a number of times people asking me, um, what's it like, you know, what's the difference between someone who's an atheist or has no belief mm. in God whatsoever mm -hmm. uh, coming to the end of life as opposed to someone who's lived, you know, or, or is a Christian and believes mm -hmm. or even, you know, has a belief in the afterlife. And, and I thought about that a lot and thought about all of my patients. And I've had some very adamant uh, atheists at times um, where they didn't want anything to do with chaplain or anything at the end of life. But to be honest with you, and this is what's really just scary, concerning to me, is I didn't see a difference. Mm. Well, I didn't see a difference. And it was just an individual. You know, some individuals were just okay with the end of life process. Some mm -hmm. were fearful. But whether it was based on whether they were an atheist or a Christian, I didn't really think that you could divide up and say there's a marked difference right right you know you either have faith and and, and that helped some people they relied on it but I can, I can think of one guy he was so adamant against that there was no god because of things he'd seen in this world and, mm. and you know he went to the grave just as mm. peacefully as any other person and so that's where i realized that this veil this thing that satan is so happy to have in our eyes and maybe it's just the nature mm -hmm. of time and being here in the flesh and blood but this veil stays with people to the very end and wow. even when you're you know you're a week or two away from dying or you don't know how many days you have left but you know that they're a finite number for real i mean yeah, you can yeah, count right. them on one or two hands right some people get more contemplative and some people don't and i just I don't know if that's our culture that that we don't even even at those moments we don't sit there and say what's it going to be like to be with jesus or have you thought about you know in less than 24 hours you could be standing with him and um and i did that with my aunt my aunt my aunt passed away in this past year my dad and i were in the hospital and she was on a breathing machine she'd gone to the hospital uh, which they thought she had pneumonia and found out there was all kinds of, I don't know if it was cancer or whatever, in her lungs. Um, and she was on a machine, and, and if she would come off that machine, she would die. It was helping her breathe. But she was so lucid and, um, and knew what was going on. She mm -hmm. wasn't, there was no dementia or anything. Mm -hmm. And so we were right by her bedside, and um, we were able to talk to her. My dad asked her, you know, are you scared? Are you scared to to die, to go to the other side. And she, no, and she wasn't. And she, she, uh, she knew Jesus hmm. Hmm. and she was very peaceful and said, I, I just want to, you know, let's take the machine off and I'm ready to go. And that we actually, that was one of the few times where we had the conversation, but our culture doesn't allow for that. Right. Right. We think it's either morbid or it's just something we don't talk about. Yeah. And I think that adds to the veil being yeah, even yeah. even stronger because we want to make sure that everything around us, our family and our friends and our church and our TV shows and our favorite pastimes, that those are reality. Right, right. That's where we put our energy and our, our mental thoughts into. And yet the veil, you know, is allowed to stay thick and dark between eternity. Mm. And, you know, um, 
I heard this story from a minister some time ago, and it stayed with me. And the, the context of this, my wife and I were on a weekend trip in California, and it was the time in California when all the grapes are coming in. It's harvest time. And this Christian family owned a small vineyard, and they invited the community to come have a harvest celebration. And it was a, a beautiful moment. And the, they had fresh grapes that were just crushed that day, and they served this delicious grape juice to everyone. And, and there were prayers offered. And, and it was a beautiful moment of people coming together. But in this moment, uh, a man who was a local minister shared a story, and the story was very touching. The, the man said, as I heard him tell this story of his own life, he said, I had a brother. And he said, my brother and I were very different. He said, I was the one who always kept the rules and I followed what my parents said and I ended up liking church as a child and I ended up wanting to become a minister and here I am. And he said, my brother and I, we had opposite lives. He said, my brother was always the one getting in trouble and my brother was the one who had run-ins with the law and my, my brother um, and I, he said, in our private lives, he said, I love to read and he said, my brother would never pick up a book. Um, he said, in fact, and this tied it into that day of that little celebration, he said, the only book I think my other my brother ever got was this book on how to make wine. And he said, and he actually could make some pretty good wine. And the, the minister told a little bit about that. But he said, but his brother uh, never professed faith in his life. And, and yet he, as the minister, felt like faith was the foundation of his life. So he, here you have two brothers on two parallel paths, but but entirely different goals in life one everything spiritual and the other had no spiritual consideration to any day of his life each day was just to be lived well the younger brother fell ill and the illness was unto his death and they said as the family was gathered around this brother who never went to church never acknowledged the lord never even in, in his thoughts even ever even approached questions like i wonder if there's a god or not he said as as uh, death was only minutes away and his brother's body grew still, he said the family was close and the man closed his eyes and his final action on this earth, this man who never acknowledged the Lord, he said, we all watched as our brother raised up his hands with his eyes closed and his last words were glory to God in the highest. And he died. Now you wonder, you wonder, wow. yeah, you wow. wonder the veil that was separated then. The, the person who had never been part of their conditioning, never been part of their day-to-day, -day, and suddenly they saw, and suddenly they did what the scriptures say, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. Um, you know, that veil might be a good thing for us, actually, in a way, because if we, could, if we saw what it's like to be in the presence of God, Scripture says no unclean thing can dwell there, and we would be much more comfortable with the damned souls in hell, you know, if we were in God's presence with our sin, right? But yet, he probably allows this veil for our benefit, as yes, everything yeah. else is for our benefit. That's a good point. Uh, it's not, um, I guess sometimes I look at it as just... Uh, just a terrible thing and that we can conquer but yeah god uh god placed us in time the scriptures say there's an opposition in all things and we may never in this life completely i guess we're all at different stages but to see beyond that veil or to step into the eternal things it may happen once in a while it may happen more frequently i don't know but i don't know what the goal is or what the actual availability is 
you're right, but there's there's some there that's probably a protection for us, a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day we believe we will see the Lord and we'll know Him as He is. The Scripture promises, right? And what a day! Now I will say in in hospice, as far as the believers go, there is a definite thing towards the end of life where that veil becomes very thin. Mm-hmm. or at least thinner mm-hmm. than it was. And I've had, and you know when your hospice patients start seeing, actually seeing people from their past, mm. that their time is coming close. And that's one of the key determinants. And you think, well, duh. But it's like, you know, it's not imagining, I don't believe. It's not hallucinating. It's mm. not wishful thinking. I believe that uh, my grandma, I called her on the phone. Uh, I was actually on my way to Nashville. Uh, for a concert and uh it was the weekend before she passed away in february um no it was anyway it doesn't matter november december she died um we were on the way to nashville and i called her on the phone and she was completely lucid and wasn't um you know out of her mind in any way we talked and at one point she said she was a little scared and then we talked about how many testimonies she had and I reminded her of all the things she shared with me growing up and how it strengthened my faith and mm. I said you know Jesus already grandma and so it was a good conversation but um but she told me she said yeah you know Aunt Gladys and and uh, Milo her brother and sister have been here and I've talked to them and mm. I don't have a doubt in my mind that that I don't believe the Lord meant passing where the, the ultimate, right? That's the ultimate mm-hmm. dropping of the veil. Talk about the veiling, the veil being rent in the temple, passing on the next life. I mean, that veil is rent and you're there and there's no more wondering at right. that point. Right. She, she said that there's no doubt in my mind that the Lord doesn't want that to be a terrifying, scary point in our time. There's no purpose to just scare us, you know, to death for that. Um, but uh, to see people and to have people come back, whether it's your mother or your your brothers or your your family, to uh, to just comfort you is a, is an amazing thing. Yeah, and, yeah, I believe there's there's something to that, and I don't understand it, but I I totally believe it's part of this world around us that we don't see. You know, in the book of Ether, we get some beautiful counsel and this assurance for this next life uh, and this veil that's soon gone. But uh, whoso believes in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, a place at the right hand of God, which hope comes from our faith, making an anchor to the souls of men and making us sure and steadfast. So we'll glorify God. But, you know, this, um, this surety hope for a better world, I think this, this veil is the key in a way to our, our ability to want to keep trying despite the pain despite the suffering of this life you know um in in the christian walk we'll we'll hear terms and sometimes we we think there's sort of a one-size solution and i'm not saying this isn't true because it is people will often say well you know just pray and it'll be okay and things things of this life are resolved through prayer you know things questions we have and and uh the lord wants us to seek him he wants us to pray over the well-being of our family our prosperity you know in a temporal sense and in a spiritual sense he wants us to pray for direction but when we have unanswered prayer i think the tendency is to somehow confuse that god somehow isn't listening or we're just not praying enough 
I think, I think the solution is that probably we can always pray more, all of us, but that the unanswered prayers simply might come back to this tendency that God says that everyone is going to see their weakness. Everyone is going to be brought up to weakness. And sometimes it's just recognizing these life trials may be simply that. Sometimes we feel like our hands are tied. There's nothing, there's nothing within us that we could do to change a situation for the pain it's bringing us. And we didn't ask for that either. That's usually the other half of these challenging life situations is that something that we didn't do, something we didn't ask for, you know, maybe your, your friend who's suffering right now, who you're visiting with recently, you know, he probably didn't do anything to ask for the pain that he's got, but nevertheless, it's his to deal with and he's got to deal with it. Those situations, those types of pain are the things which I believe, because they weren't our doing, it wasn't like we were sinful, it wasn't like Job deserved any of the suffering he went through, but yet God allowed him to show where he was potentially weak on every level. And God does this with us as well. He, he brings us to our weakness. And so some part of me is willing to accept some of these things for just that, to say, Lord, maybe this is just how you show me where I'm weak. Maybe this is a good thing for me because it keeps me close to you. It keeps me walking. It keeps me seeking. You know, one thing God never did with Job is he never explained himself. He didn't have to. He was God. He didn't have to explain to Job, at least in the account of the story we have, why all these bad things happened. Uh, his response to Job was, hey, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? You know, you um, uh, obviously don't, if you know so much, you know, tell me these things. And, and obviously, you know, Job didn't and couldn't. But in in a sense, a little closer to our lives, it's the same way. God may not ever explain why we have this pain in life, why we suffer the way we do. But for some larger purpose, the scripture that says all things work together for good, for God's purposes, for those who love him, I believe that even our pain and even what seems like our unanswered prayers are working together for those purposes as well. Yeah, I, the week, well, I, th I think there are, hopefully there are things we can do while we are in that place. I, I don't know if, if I'm content, I, I guess we need to all be content that we'll never understand a lot, at least on this side of, heaven will never understand the reasons for suffering um, why things seemingly go wrong when we feel like we've done everything right when we followed a certain path that the Lord's given us but um, what is the true promises that we have we, we don't have the promise that we will avoid pain or that we'll avoid um, heartache or that we'll avoid these things in life that are so detrimental but we do have promises. Well, hopefully the most basic promise is that his spirit will be with us. And I think that's, that's the, that's the real crux of it all. When someone's really suffering and they don't feel that spirit is that's the most basic promise that we need. And so somehow, some way our dynamic of thinking has to change. Cause I, I can't believe in my mind that the Lord ever abandons us. Right. Because there's so many scriptures that says, 
you know, if you ask me for a fish, you know, will I give you a stone or, or a snake? Or if you ask for bread, will I give you a stone? No, I, I know how to give you what you need. And in if you being if you being people of flesh and blood know how to give these things to your kids, don't you think I even more so know what to give to you? Right, right. right. So we have that promise that our Father knows what we need. And that he wants to give it to us and that he won't deny giving it to us. That's the important part of that parable. Do you think that if you can do this being evil, that I too won't do it? And so it has to be somehow another viewpoint, another uh, another way of looking at things when we're suffering. It's- you know, there's uh, that's a great point. And there are certain scriptures that if we looked at them only, we'd think that we should never suffer. And if we do, that's a sign that we've chosen poorly or made bad decisions um the scriptures even say that hey whoever has god's spirit whatsoever you ask i will i will grant you know and it's not to suggest this is a genie in the bottle it's more i think suggesting that if our spirits and souls and our hearts desire our 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 life's focus was entirely aligned with god's we wouldn't ask amiss we wouldn't ask outside of his will and the things that we would ask would only be the things according to his will but, but nevertheless, I think of Paul who, you know, countless stories in the New Testament of being able to heal people and, and do mighty miracles in the name of Jesus. And yet he talks about a thorn in his flesh that he had to deal with or he couldn't deal with rather, maybe more so that was just his to bear. And so here's this guy who can heal the sick and has, you know, chapters and books of the Bible written by him because of his close walk with God, and yet he's still acknowledging, and I have problems too. And so I don't know that our life is allowed to be any different. I think the only requisite is it comes back to, as Job's story points out, what is our integrity going to be in the midst of suffering? And I think in the end, whether or not the problems get resolved, we all should realize that we're going to be in places in life, in, in, in relationships, in emotionally trying or spiritually trying situations where our integrity towards God is challenged. And this is the takeaway from Job's story, is that never once did the scriptures say that he lost his integrity towards God. When people were telling him, curse God and die, there is no hope for you now. He, he would not. He could not. Because... This was the man when he lost it all in one day. What does he do? He falls down and worships God. And his words are, the Lord gave and the Lord took away. But you know what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. I, I'm sitting here looking through my notes on my phone because there was this great quote about Job. And I actually put it on Facebook one time. Uh, and I guess I didn't keep it for where I could access it. So whenever it comes around on whatever day I posted it in my memories, I'll have to record. But basically, Corey, what it says is um, someone more elegant than me put it. But if Job had received an answer as to why he was suffering and why all these things have happened, would that have even eased his pain at all? <laughs> yeah, loss? really, really. And that wasn't the point. The point was, you know, even if even if Job got to said, well, this is why that wouldn't have eased his his suffering, but it was the fact that, uh, you know, driving him to come and acknowledging the Lord as his strength was, was the point of it all. And that's the best thing maybe we can hope for. Sometimes we, we think that we need to know why or what the truth of it is. And, 
And maybe if we find it, it's, it really even want to ease the suffering that we've gone through anyway. Well, you know, that's a great point. And the book of Job is interesting on many levels. One of them is that there's about 40 chapters to his story. And the first couple stories, or the first couple chapters, rather, deal with what happened to him. And the last couple chapters deal with how it's all resolved. But the middle chapters are pretty much about 38 chapters of people giving Job bad advice, right? Bad advice. Yeah. You know, his wife in the second chapter of Job, his wife, you'd think the one who might understand of anyone, asks him, says, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. You know, it's like she's just saying, get it over with. Why, why, why do you maintain this towards God? And perhaps the end of this story for all of us is simply not the severity of the trials, not the duration of our trials, not the emotional and spiritual pain they inflicted on our soul, but through it all, did we maintain our integrity? Um, you know, there's a saying out there, and these things get passed around on social media all the time, that God will never give you something more than you're capable of handling. And, you know, that's a falsehood. That's that's not scriptural. In fact, I think the opposite is true. The opposite being that God will give you more than you're capable of handling because he wants us to call on him. And the fact that you're enduring more than you're capable of handling is a sign that you're alive. You've still got a pulse yeah. for one thing. Yeah. Things, things not to say to your Christian brothers and sisters who are suffering. Oh, you know, just, just remember, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle because that's that's when I want to punch him in the throat. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I did find this quote by C.S. Lewis as I was looking for that Job quote. It says, relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. Mm, mm. And being driven. Now that's talking about, talk about trying to get beyond the veil mm. every single day. Mm-hmm. Relying on God, beginning all over again. Um it's a conscious effort, and um, I just thought of this. You know, talk about your talk about the morning time to you. Well, you know, my my life has changed over the years. I used to be the the uh, late to bed person and sleep as long as possible, and kind of get up with the alarm after I hit snooze three times, and then rush to the shower and get out the door and go to work. But um, mornings have taken on a little different meaning. I I do get to bed earlier now, and I find I enjoy that. And with uh, a, a good amount of sleep, not too much, I'm usually awake well before the alarm and to enjoy a, a quiet home and, and have a couple hours sometimes before I even have to think about the tasks at hand of the day. And and that time has become uh, significant to me. And in just a, a couple months recently, I've read through the Book of Mormon completely cover to cover just in that quiet time, not taking any time out of the rest of the, the time but just finding just gems of wisdom. I, in this time recently, I, I bought a brand new Book of Mormon. Uh, it had never been the pages thumbed and started reading that one instead of the ones that I've had. The, the one that I keep close at hand, been rebound twice, had it over 40 years. Markings have all faded. The text notes, well, they're too small for my older eyes anymore to even read them now, but uh, smudged and smeared. But I uh, took a brand new Book of Mormon and started reading it and uh, boy, the the book, not just for rereading it, but just recently, has become a new book to me. And and reading 
in the morning or sometimes just meditating or sometimes just listening to the birds sing before the sun comes up. Um, it, it's all a time where I find I get my strength for the day, the week, the month. Um, sometimes inspiration comes in just a little bit, but just enough to where you realize God's here in, right now with me in that moment. And maybe there's a, a tiny little aha. Um, sometimes in those moments, you all of a sudden find an answer to a question that perhaps you didn't even know to ask um, through his word or through inspiration. But uh, it's been a time for me of, of uh, profound's not too strong a word, spiritual growth, to, to have a time where um, when I used to travel on the road with work often, I, I would be gone Monday through Friday, week after week, and, and with our five kids at home, it, it wasn't always easy to have time with my wife uh, to, to sit and visit. But now and then, uh, when I had been gone on the road, we'd arrange for someone to take care of the kids. And on my way home from the airport, she would meet me at a restaurant and we'd say, hey, let's go meet. Even before I get home, let's let's meet. And I, I can remember those times well because <clears throat> there were times when uh, there's a moment where you'd go to a restaurant and the waiter had to come back about six times to see if he could take an order because we hadn't yet looked at the menu because we were just catching up. And I, and I can remember that time looking forward to just looking at my wife, just seeing her again and, and just being in her presence and, and how um, just it was the peace that went beyond words that those, those times brought when you knew you were just going to have time to be together and that the anticipation of being gone for a week and, and coming back and having that, that was just priceless. And, but just the fact that knowing that her interest in meeting me was just as strong as my interest in meeting her, it just everything just just flowed and so these morning times for me seem to be like that too it's this anticipation that you know god's going to be there and we're going to share in that time it's not going to be a time of of loneliness or wonder it's this uh not even not even worry or concern to, to know that no this is going to be a highlight this is going to be a beautiful moment and to share and and uh, i just believe that in the same way if you if you were going to make time for your companion to just spend some time or, or a friend or, or your own child. Um, when you intentionally make time for God, when you clear your schedule, and, and you know, it's it's unfortunate, our, our fast food world, we, we've learned to pray kind of like we order fast food, you know, oh, please give me this, please give me that, give me this, give me this, and we're done. And that's prayer. When, when prayer, so much of prayer can be listening, or so much of prayer, we never arrive at the point where, we perhaps praise him enough or perhaps have our prayer be solely to praise him. It's too often, well, I have this problem, I have this problem, I have this problem. And I find there's so much beauty and so much spiritual growth in times where we aren't just presenting a list of problems or a list of needs, although there's a place for that and, and prayer does allow for that and God encourages that. But if we miss the the beauty of his presence, if we miss that time of just the, the tranquility of listening for his spirit, we, we can miss out on the peace that is his to give us as well. I've loved, <clears throat> there's something holy about <laughs> that time in the morning uh, when the sun comes up 
I love hearing the birds outside my window. The other, I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was a Sunday morning, and they were just extremely loud. And I purposely went outside, got in my truck, and pulled to the end of the driveway and just rolled my windows down mm-hmm. so I could hear them uh, and gave myself an extra 10 minutes before I started <laughs> my journey to church to hear to hear them uh, just singing. And I thought, why did God make birds with different sounds? <laughs> <laughs> It's some of them repeat, and they're so they're so uh, unique to mm-hmm. that to that species or to that bird that sound. But mm-hmm. they all work together anyway. If you're not in that moment, it's it doesn't mean much. But when you are in that moment, uh, eh, there's just something holy about it. And unfortunately, when we live in a a place of anyway asphalt and concrete and metal buildings, and we don't get out in nature much, that's one more thing that makes it hard to. Uh, to see beyond the veil, but boy, nature just brings it right. Oh yeah. yeah right. It does. Brings you right back to it. Yeah. But, so, uh, I was just thinking of some of the things we talked about and some of our hopes for this podcast. So, so beyond the veil, it's about, this is just going to be a place where we come and talk about Jesus. We talk about the eternal. We talk about heaven. We talk about what we're supposed to be doing every single day. Um, so that the scriptures don't seem you know, stories from long ago, right? Or something that's going to happen when we die. But how, how do they pertain to me each and every day? And how can I see beyond the veil into the eternal, you know, each and every day and make that an important part of my life? And, and I hope that this, you know, these discussions um, will maybe give people opportunity, a place to go and to think about that. Um, like I said, podcasts are awesome. You can download them. You can listen to them whenever. And it's just a way to get your mind focused on the Father. And if there's people talking about the Father and you can't be with them physically, it's a way to listen and be there. And there's a couple podcasts I absolutely love. Uh, the Bible Project's one of them. Uh, they're just ministers to me every week. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I just look forward to the time when their new episode drops so I can listen to it. And mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned the birds and... My morning time recently has been to uh, focus my thoughts on on God, but uh, the same as we talked about the desire for this podcast to maybe share some of those thoughts, conversations we've had over the years, uh, and, and see if they can bring hope or light to whoever might want to listen. In my morning times, I've started recording thoughts and uh, starting a small podcast along with that called Morning Light. And what people might think is a bird soundtrack playing in the back of that is just me with the window open as the birds <laughs> as the birds are singing. It's live. It's it's the moment I'm in. And uh, you know, it's just a, a beautiful thing. And you know, God even told uh, in the Book of Alma, He said, you know, come find me in your wilderness. You know, and and His. His creation all around us somehow helps us to feel more one with Him. So find Him in your wilderness. Find Him in your quiet times. Find Him. Uh, make a special time for Him. And despite the problems this life has, uh, He can counter any veil of darkness with His light and with His peace. And as we were reminded, uh, the brother Jared, um, who saw... It says, as the veil was removed, he saw the finger of God as mm-hmm. he started out. What 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 had taken place in his life before that? He he'd just spend three hours getting a butt whipping <laughs> or a chastening, right, from the Lord because he'd spent so long without calling on the Lord. Yeah, four years on the beach. It must have been a pretty beach. Yeah. <laughs> but does that not give hope to each one of us if we feel we're too far away from God or we haven't made an effort to come into His presence um, or spend time with Him that? 
he's always ready to welcome his kids back. He and is. Just he cl is. climb up on his, yeah. So. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, the same story of ether is good advice for all of us. When you rend that veil of unbelief, which causes us to remain in wickedness with a hard heart and, a, and blindness of mind, the great and marvelous things which have been hit up from the foundation of the world will be ours. Um, in, in the brother of Jared's experience, it's interesting that when he sees this finger of God, God asks him a simple question, and, and brother of Jared's response is just as simple. God says, you saw my finger, did you see more than that? And the brother of Jared says, no. But the words he finishes with are most important. He says, show yourself to me, reveal yourself to me. And those words, I think, are the very words that God wants all of us to say to him. God, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you make yourself real? I'm feeling far away. I'm feeling lost. I'm hurting. Could you let me see a little bigger piece of you today? Could, could you be a, just a little closer with your arm a little more firmly on my shoulder today? Because God is willing if he demonstrated anything with the brother of Jared, it's that he's willing to reveal himself to anyone who will ask that. Say, will you show yourself to me? And so that's our hope is that somehow in our struggles in life that we'll find this God who is willing to show himself to anyone who will call on his name. Well, we are, uh, I can't believe how that time has flown by. We're at 53 minutes. All right. So we should probably maybe wrap this up, this first episode. Um, uh, to summarize, I mean, uh, don't be an island out there. Uh, if you enjoy these conversations, come back, listen, share them with a friend, share them with whoever uh, might be benefited. We, uh, we will be having another series, as Corey mentioned, called Morning Light. Hopefully that'll be a blessing to you as well. But as far as beyond the veil, um, we just pray that, uh, and I hope that we all can continue to strive to see into the eternal realm and uh, realize this life is not is not forever. It's temporary, and there are things coming that are amazing. And um, most importantly, the Lord gives us a clear path to follow, and we'll be we'll be discussing that path in the time to come. Anything else, Corey? No, I appreciate the time, Mike. Thank you. All right, until next time, we will see all of you. Join us, Beyond the Veil, and God bless.